Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Hey, it's Jeff McNichol down here at Mom's Music, 1900 Melwood Avenue. I was just thinking, when I was a kid, the magic was at Frankfurt Avenue, the Mom's Music at Frankfurt Avenue, and I used to beg people to get a ride down there just to hang out with the guys and see all the cool gear. Now that I'm the owner of this store, it's like a dream come true. We're recreating the magic with the vibe that we used to have at the old store. We're carrying all the gear that you're going to possibly want. We're giving you the outstanding service and personal attention that you deserve. Yeah, so we've got the great guitar shop here. We're carrying USA Fender, USA Gibson, Paul Reed Smith, Gretsch, Jackson, Charvel, anything you could possibly want. We're going to have it for you. Mom's is and always will be Louisville's music store. Tuning into the Metal Forge, I am Mark Jackson and I am your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. Hey, Metalheads, thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. My name is Mark Jackson and I'm your host. Today, I have Stolen Prayer, right here from Louisville, Kentucky, here in the studio with me today. We're going to be talking here in just a few minutes. Shout out to those guys, CC and JT. Give them just a minute, we're going to be talking. But, I got some other things I want to talk about today. I promised you guys a, uh, a new question of the week, which I'm going to go ahead and do right now, actually. So, my question of the week was... What song do you wish a band played live when you saw them? And I got some pretty cool answers to that question. The Hrom account from Hrom Heavy Metal on Instagram says, Mother Russia from Iron Maiden, Den of Thieves from Lizzie Borden, and House of Fire from Alice Cooper. And you know what? Yes to the House of Fire deal. I absolutely love that album from Alice Cooper, the uh, Trash album. Is that right? Is it Trash? I think so. Uh, but there's so many bed of nails. Absolutely. I could, there's so many songs off of that album that I could pick that I wish he would play live, but I get why he doesn't. Pinky socks gives a shout out to worms that she wishes they would have played Lord of the thighs. (laughs) Absolutely. Kyle from, uh, Anahata says priest needed to play, take these chains when he saw him on the farewell tour many years ago that that was. And but he said it was excellent that they he did get to see him with uh, KK and, and Glenn Tipton. So yeah, I get that man. Uh, seeing a band with with it's an original lineup kind of deal, I get. Ghost of Change said Man of War unfortunately didn't play Hailing Kill when they saw them live, but they really always wanted to hear that song. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Dutch says uh, Napalm Death, you suffer, but why? Uh, not too familiar. I'm not a big Napalm Death fan. I need to get more into them, so maybe that's where I'll start at is listening to that song and wondering why they wouldn't play it live. Uh, Vomit666 Clothing says, They wished Morbid Angel played Dominate uh, Where the Slime Live. You know what? I mean, I don't even know if they did that back in the day when, when Dominate, you know, when that came out. 
So that's another thing too. That that might be another question to ask at a later date. Stumpy El Hombre says, uh, "Blue Oyster Cult, Flaming Telepaths, or anything off of Secret Treaties." Honestly, and you know what? Yes, Jared, I absolutely agree with you. Secret Treaties is a fucking underrated album. It is a playthrough for me. I will pop that on, and it's just it's just got this groove to it that. You know, yeah, Astronomy came off of Secret Treaties, but, like, I mean, there's so much more than on that album than just that. And, like I said, most of the Blue Cult things seem to be playthroughs for me. Like, I love uh, Fire of Unknown Origin because it's fucking awesome. But, yeah, so many of their albums seem to be playthroughs. And the cool one off of Instagram that I got was from uh, the dudes in Rygar. And this is super fucking rad. I guess he mu- they must have seen them at, because they're in Austin. You guys are going to have to comment back to me on this. Did you see these guys at South by Southwest? Because they said Spinal Tap. And they wanted to hear Stonehenge. And I understand that that is a... You've got to have the stage show to do Stonehenge. You really do. So, I want to know how you saw the Spinal Tap, because that's fucking rad as shit. And I would, I would love to see them. And, it, and it's cool, because I actually know somebody who has seen them twice. But, you know, I digress here. So, I promised you guys a review of ZZ Top. So, let's talk about ZZ fucking Top, right? This is the start of their, quote, 50 years in music tour that they're on. Obviously, because of the pandemic... It would have been in 2019, and they didn't do anything then. So in 2020, of course, they didn't. They couldn't do it. Right. Nobody could do any fucking thing. But the set list was super fucking cool. But before we get to the set list, I do want to say, what was crazy about the show is seeing them on video, seeing the way Billy and Dusty interact with each other, is super fucking cool. It's rad as shit because they do this like little sidestep thing where they'll go in unison with each other and they'll play matching guitars. Like Dusty's bass will match Billy's guitars for the most part. And unfortunately, Dusty got hurt earlier in the day. He sprained his ankle. Don't know what they what they were doing. They said Frank almost got struck by lightning when he was playing golf. It wasn't even like rainy around here, so I don't know where they were at that they were playing golf that almost got struck by lightning. But, so Dusty had to sit through most of the show. Actually, he sat through all of the show because of his ankle. Which, you know, when you're... Dude's in his 70s. You know, he's like 72 years old. I get it. You know, he didn't want to just cancel the show. They had already moved the show from Louisville's Waterfront Park to Iroquois Amphitheater. Which, you know, is actually about 3,500 seats. So, I get it. I'm glad he I'm glad I still got to see them even though Dusty was sitting down. It still was no less of a show or anything like that. And honestly, I want to go see them again when Dusty's better. So, Dusty, get better. I'm going to come and see you guys again. I don't want you to rock out until you know you can't rock out any longer. <laughs> so, the set list of the show. They played 15 songs and they and it started with got me uh, got me under pressure, which is such a fucking cool opener. It's, it's rocking, it's definitely, it, you know, it, it grabs you as soon as you start it. But then they did I Thank You, uh, Waiting for the Bus, and Jesus le- Just Left Chicago. That, uh, for one, I already love Waiting for the Bus and Jesus Just Left Chicago already. But, like, seeing them do, like, the big, cool transition to it live is just fucking awesome. Uh, Give Me All Your Lovin', Pearl Necklace, I'm Bad, I'm Nationwide. I got to get paid. My head's in Mississippi, which, of course, Billy doing the the stage thing. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, my head's in Mississippi. Wait a minute. That ain't right. I think my head's in Kentucky. You know, it's like so fucking cool because it's like when bands do that, me being a musician personally, it's like I take cues from stuff like that. It's like, you know, maybe that maybe that could be done cool on stage, too. So, Uh, beer drinkers and hell raisers, obviously awesome. Uh, just got paid. Sharp dressed man. Legs, Lagrange, and Tush. 
the interesting thing about it is looking back at other sets, and I did not go into this show, and and Setlist FM is such a cool thing these days that you know what's going to be played pretty much before you know you go to the show if you'd want to do that certain that sort of thing. I don't anymore. I want to be surprised because I think I look back at a time with shows being like the Seattle show from Live Ship Binge and Purge from Metallica. This is what I always equate it to. And it's the thing of when the stage collapses and and Lady Justice breaks apart, the the stage basically just crumbles around them in, in, in Justice for All. I could only imagine what it would have been like to be, you know, 17 years old at that time, seeing that live and being like running to my friends who either didn't get to go to the show or knowing or having a cousin or something in the next city that was going to be seeing it the night, the next night. And you just couldn't wait to talk to them about it and be like, what did you think of this? You don't get that anymore with YouTube and camera phones and shit like that. You know, and set lists being published on the internet. It's after the fact. It's pretty cool, but you know, most of these bands will practice a set going into a tour, and it's pretty much the same set all the time. You don't get like the Metallica's where they change most. They change most of the set around. But you know, the only difference with this set that I noticed with all of the other ones is, for the most part, the uh, they they would interchange a song or two. But they would also play uh, up until, like, legs. And then they would leave. And then they would come back and do an encore. And the only thing that I can sit here and say, the reason why I don't think they did the encore this time was because of Dusty being hurt. They just uh, played the 15 songs and called it a night. And I know people were just at the show, because people were sitting behind me, like, oh, there's no way it's over. Uh, they've got to come back and do another song. And it's like, I don't think they're going to. The guys are already tearing the stage down for one, and the board's off, and, you know, the house lights are on. So I really doubt they're going to. And, you know, and then I heard somebody sit there and say, oh, yeah, well, it was not really a ZZ Top show. I was like, you know, yeah, actually it was. I mean, they still played the songs. They still played them to the best of their abilities. So I would definitely go see them again. Absolutely for sure. Now, the opening bands, on the other hand, um, they had a country guy doing a set. It was really not my cup of tea. It was one of those things where he was really pandering to the crowd, like, oh, yeah, I'm from Kentucky, and I'm a local guy. And I do. And it's like, dude, come on. I mean, I said this a couple of weeks ago on the show, and it's like, you know, with the... Uh, with the music scene being so much of an internet-based thing, we're not really local musicians anymore. We're all part of the same music scene anymore. Because we can all be friends with bands in Portland and Pittsburgh and Austin and, you know, London and Gonzi Botswana and Fresno. We can all be friends with these bands and say, hey, when you guys come into town, why don't you guys play this show here? And it's not really a local scene anymore. Yes, you do have local-only shows, but everybody knows everybody anymore. So the whole pandering thing kind of just is weird to me. And the other uh, opening act that they had, the uh, mid-card, as I would say, I'm not going to get into. Those of you who know and went to the show, you know who I'm talking about. I'm just, no, fuck those guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for ser- for sh- serious, fuck those guys. Down below, there are links to the sponsors. And without you guys supporting them, they can't support the Metal Forge either. And I am so grateful that you all do help these businesses. Whether you're listening to their podcast, you're buying instruments from them, you're going and getting tattoos, you're going to the Discogs page. Thank you all so much. And continue to please support all of these guys. You know, Ageless Art, Tattoo and Piercing, Mom's Music, Maxwell's House of Music, Better Days Records, Unchained Tapes, Mercenary Press, The Wrestling Steve Show, The Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast, The It's Gonna Get Weird Podcast. Keep supporting those guys because every bit helps us at the Metal Forge and it helps them too. Y'all are fucking awesome. Thank you so much. Also, making sure you all uh, click on the Spotify playlist as well. You'll get to hear all of the previous uh, bands that have been on the show, and you'll be supporting those people as well, too. Thank you all. 
So let's get into some Stolen Prayer here. This is from the Stolen Prayer EP. This is The Devil Inside. Metalheads, I'm being joined on the first in-person interview here at the New Metal Forge studio with CC Nix and JT Shea from the band Stolen Prayer here in Louisville, Kentucky. Dudes, what the fuck's going on? Not much. Not much. Dude, I'm doing all right, for sure. Uh, So tell everybody about Stolen Prayer. What is it about? The 80s, bringing back uh, hair metal, glam glam rock. Um, Basically, we just think that the world today is missing that missing a you know high energy rock and roll band like there used to be um and we we wanted to bring that back uh to the masses so that's what we're trying to do right on i can dig that and louisville it seems to me you know being centered here most of my life with with the music scene is a big melting pot for bands i've noticed there's there's glam bands not as much there as there used to be, uh, but there's thrash bands, death bands, you know, all of these other like you know, hard rock oriented bands, and it seems like it doesn't matter what show you go to, you really get a mixed bag a lot of times with playing with thrash bands like my band or you know JT's other stuff, so on and so forth. Yeah, for sure. What I've seen 
as far as going out to shows, at least since COVID sort of has slowed down, um, is there's a lot, a lot of heavy stuff um, and a lot less melodic stuff that I'm seeing as far as rock and roll is concerned, because you can go to your country bars and see all your melodic shit and all that. Right. Um, but as far as like hard rock, um, a lot of what I've seen is pretty heavy and uh, we're kind of trying to bring a more melodic you know sound to the heavy music that's in town definitely because there is a lot of that super heavy stuff and that's where i guess you guys are are going to be different with everything right so you have an ep out currently you're recording a new ep correct yes all right where are y'all doing that at in my basement. Nice. <laughs> hey, there is nothing better these days that I've got to speak with so many people here on the show where that is the case. Yep. They record in a basement or in a bedroom, for that matter, and then they send it off to be mixed and mastered somewhere. Yep, for sure. Is that an idea of what you all are planning on doing? Yeah, usually I'll... I'm not sure what we're going to do for the next EP. Uh, for the first one, I actually mixed and mastered it myself. Okay. Um, but there's a good chance we'll probably send the next one off to someone else who knows what they're doing a little better than I do. Well, and I think it's an important thing, too, that you get a little bit of a different set of ears on it. For sure. Especially if it's somebody that you're not used to working with. Yep. Then you can actually take constructive criticism from them a lot easier, I think. So that's actually a really good thing. So So you're currently recording this? Yes. Is there any set release date? Not to put you... Not to, yet. He's oh, <laughs> trying to nail it down. He's trying to nail it down. Um, so, when you guys started, did you start during COVID? Yes. yes. I, I'm assuming because of any uh, previous projects that you all were in just kind of got put to a halt because of no shows. And that seems to be a trend. Mm-hmm. There are so many bands out there that have just been passion projects prior to COVID. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, well, shit. Now, now, what are we supposed to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we got started back late summer, kind of September, October area, um, and we kind of took that by the horns, and because uh, we both are big fans of Halloween and you know right. all the spooky stuff and rock and roll, and um, we both really like you know Ozzy Osbourne and Kiss and all those kind of spooky bands and we started around Halloween so we said you know what let's I think you know we could do something here we released our first song around Halloween it had a spooky vibe it was called The Devil Inside um yeah um but we were very bored during COVID so we had to do something of course I mean I remember seeing posts with JT on Instagram where he's just doing his other stuff and I was like well shit dude you know it's like and yep. then, and then this happened, and I was just like, "Oh, well, that's just pretty fucking cool," you know. So, uh, so what else do you have shows coming up? August twenty seventh at Diamonds with Wild Ride and Edgar Red. Awesome! That's going to be a cool show. Yeah, definitely. Uh, shout out to the Wild Ride guys because I've known Mick and all of them for years. Yeah, <laughs> since before Wild Ride, in in different bands for each of them. So for sure, love those guys. Uh, we're super excited for that one because it's diamonds for it's one. diamonds exactly and, you know and it's gonna be a rocking show exactly for sure because exactly. that's you know you guys i think fit really well with wild ride on for sure yep. because you both got the the glam side of things like the the 80s kiss version and the motley crew mix right. with with everything right which is you know i'm a thrash guy personally <laughs> so for me, it's kind of just like, nah, I probably wouldn't play it, but I could tolerate watching somebody else <laughs> right. play it. And as bad as that sounds, you know, it's not like, it's not that I don't like bands like Motley Crue and stuff like that, but seriously. Um, another shout out really fast, and I think you'd fit along with these guys as well, would be Two Pump Chump. Yeah. If you, yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just saw Scott over the weekend, and yeah, yeah I, would, just- I could definitely see you guys. We just played with uh, Scott's other band, Super B, uh, opening for Thunderstruck. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't realize that was Scott's other band. That's that's pretty fucking cool. (laughs) For sure. they're really cool, and Scott's super awesome. Oh, yeah, he's he's one of the nicest guys ever. He's too nice for the music business, I think, sometimes. (laughs) He's just like, hey, man, 
Yeah. Are you doing well? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I love him though. He's super rad guy. Yes. In the writing process for you guys, uh, JT, you probably already heard me ask this question before at, at the radio station. But when y'all get together to write, how do you do it? Because there's so many different ways from so many different bands. Everybody has their own unique way. So usually it starts with me. I'll just come up with some riffs and get like a basic arrangement of a song together. Just like program some drums on it. And then I'll send it over to him and he'll write the vocals. Then we'll kind of just demo that out and then send it to the other guys and they can write drum and bass parts. Right on. Now, do they follow kind of what you were already doing, like with the drum lines and stuff like that? Usually. Okay. So that is a nice thing to have where if you do have somebody who can program Mm -hmm. or automatically play drums. Yeah. That's not necessarily the drummer if you can't get together, is I guess what I'm saying. Yep. So what really inspires lyrics, I guess? Well, I always tell JT that I'm not a songwriter. I never have been. Um, it It's interesting the way we write because, you know, he'll have something in mind and he'll just, you know, start playing. He'll record basically the whole song and he'll send it over to me. And then it's up to me to decide, okay, well, what melodies sound good here, you know, and what words can I, you know, put to the melody? You know what I mean? Um and I don't know if I like that way of writing. You know, I think now we're meeting a lot more. Um, COVID slowed down. Um, we're getting a lot more serious about our project. And um, we're getting together. So I think um, what we're going to do in the future, I can tell you, is being together and then we'll both bounce ideas off each other. Um, and then, you know, because I'll have ideas for, you know, what can the song be about? Right. Um, because really, when he sends me a song, I'll have no idea what I want to write about. Um, but uh, I'd like us to be together more often when we are writing so that we can bounce ideas off each other. Um, and just kind of, you know, I, I think the songs will be better if we do it that way. Um, but yeah. Definitely. Well, I think as being a lyricist and a musician to where I can write guitar lines and vocal lines, I think it does lend to one of those things where you can honestly write around a vocal melody, which is really cool, or you can write lyrics around a guitar melody. And when you're forced to write like one way it does it it does get a hindrance and it does hurt a lot especially you know i always uh was in a band with a guy one time and everything was the open two three five riffs in in like drop and it's like so it's this again huh and he was writing to like syncopation of lyrics like syllable count and and it's just like you know it's the whole thing it's like oh fuck and i came in after songs were written. It's like, okay, well, that's got to go. This has to go. No, All right, we'll have three songs with that riff in it. No more. <laughs> Can't do it. Cannot do it at all. Can you listen to your own music without criticizing it to death? No. No. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.com bigcartel.com Hey, are y'all in a band? Do you need merch for shows? By now I'm sure you've seen all the Metal Forge patches that are available along with many more. Well, the printer I use for those is UKR Patcher. Check them out on Facebook and Etsy. They do awesome custom work and for extremely affordable prices for any band budget. Check them out at UKR Patcher on Facebook and Etsy. 
Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. What is the allure to being a musician for you? For me, it's it's definitely the lifestyle. <laughs> um, I also have never been good at working jobs. You know, I've worked at you know all kinds of retail places and always hated it and never lasted long. Um, and I like being a musician because it you know we get to make the rules. Um, you know when our schedules are, um, how much we're free, how much we're not. Um, and we don't really have to worry about, you know, what time do we have to wake up tomorrow, you know, right. because a show is usually in the evening. Um, but really, it's the lifestyle for me. Okay. JT? Um, I've just always loved rock and roll, so that's what I want to do with my life. I want to play rock and roll. Definitely. And it takes a certain individual to be able to do it because to not have to sit there and, you know, most people want to buy a house or they want to have a family and kids. Most people who are rock, rock people, rock and roll stars, that's kind of tough for them. You know, it fits along the way of like, if you've ever see how terrible like home life is for professional wrestlers, <laughs> you hear the stories about those guys because they're gone like 300 days a year. Uh, it's kind of the same way with being a rock star because you're going to be gone all the time. You're going to be in a different city every night to every other night. And yeah. But that's one thing can't... that... Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt No, no, that's, go ahead. That's one thing that uh, me and JT really like is travel. For sure. Um, and, right. You know, we talk all the time. We're just ready to get out and travel. You know, I, I would be so happy being gone, you know, 200 days of the year um, more just doing what I love, which is music, mm -hmm. and just, you know, with the genre that we do, just being able to party on stage and off stage all the time. Definitely. And like I said, you know, you're young enough to do it and get into it while you can because, you know, it's only going to get easier for the touring aspect. I mean, yeah, your body breaks down over time, but that's just a natural progression of things. But, you know, getting these tours now, like making your contacts now and then by the time you know you guys are 30 and 40 and whatever you never know what's going to happen i mean you could be playing sold out shows and wherever but you know you could still be playing fucking you know places like the mercury ballroom which aren't they're not huge places but they're still fucking pretty right. big places you know yeah so yeah doing it while you can while you're young i i definitely support that for sure Especially if it's something that you've always wanted to do, yeah. if, even from, you know, and that's yeah. what a lot of people say. It's like, well, I, I knew from the time I was 12 what I wanted to do. It's like, that's fucking rad. You know, if you could, if you know that that's what it is, seriously, do it. Yeah. So do you have any, speaking of the touring stuff, do you have any ideas for what, if, if and when you all could possibly go on tour? Are you trying to book something? I know it's hard, especially if you don't have somebody to help you with it. Yep. But, I mean, is, is this a plan? It's a plan. We're just starting to kind of talk about that and try and figure out what we want to do. But we would ideally like to be touring in the fall, but next year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fall's here just around around the corner, about a month and a half away. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, with performing, I mean, do you guys... I mean, obviously you've got the look and you've got the music. What else do you have? Because I haven't seen you guys live yet. Uh, I plan to soon. Hopefully at the show in August I'll get to. But um, is there, do you have backdrops or anything like that? I mean, is there part of a stage show that's going on? For sure. I mean, we just played three days ago. I was 
21st Amendment in Germantown, and there was a lot of people there um, that had wanted to see us but hadn't yet. And after the show, we got off stage, and people were coming up to us, and they were like, man, I, you know, I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. And I think the reason they say that was they didn't realize the energy that we bring to the stage. Just watching us is a lot more than watching a lot of other bands in Louisville. We're jumping around on stage. We're moving. Um, we do have sort of a backdrop. Um, I mean, we have our banner. Um, we do have like two coffins on either sides of the stage. We haven't used those in a while though. Um, but main thing for us is it's all about energy and it just has to look like we're having a party on stage. Um, right. Bottom line. And that's exactly where I was going to go with this is because, you know, any three to five dudes can get on stage and play music together. I think that there's something special with a band that can go in and put together a stage show and have an entertainment value to, you know, to give people what they paid for. I was at a show and honestly, it got on my nerves seeing one of the guitar players just run constantly back and forth between each side of the stage when nobody else was really doing it. And I was just like, you need to cut it the fuck out, dude. It's not helping your show. <laughs> they would have benefited from, you know, less is more. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, as long as I think you have, you put it out there, because once I think your, your feet hit that stage, you can't bullshit anybody. Right. And whatever you're doing on that stage ultimately should be you. Yep. Are you all wanting to do a full length album? Eventually, yes. Okay. Um, we're focusing more on like singles and EPs right now. Just Definitely. trying to put that stuff out as often as we can. Definitely. Um, just may- trying to get a following. Yeah. Well. Once we can get, you know, a good amount of people to sit down and really listen to a full album, we'll release an album. But for now, it's, you know, if you can sit through three songs and you're hooked, great, you know? Right. Um, but we're, I think JT and I agree that we're just waiting on, you know, a little bit more of a following and then we'll, you know, put out a full length album. Definitely. Well, and I think too, you know, I've spoken with a bunch of bands about this as well, that how the music industry has changed to, it's almost like it's become full circle again, because back in the fifties and sixties and shit like that, everything was single driven. You know, you had, you, you sold seven inch albums you know, and you sold five of them. You you know, you got uh, five songs together that were singles, and then the, whatever the B side was, and then that was your other part of your album. If that was even the case for most people, certain like Elvis, that definitely was the case. But uh, and then in the late sixties and seventies and everything, it became more of a album driven industry where people were listening to albums as a playthrough and, you know, you got eight, 10 songs, you know, on vinyl for, you know, 45 minutes worth of music. And when CD came around, it became even more of an album driven thing where you could put, you know, 60 to 70 to 80 minutes of music on a disc. And now it's like, it's come back around to in the digital age where everything is about making that single again. You know, that, that one download that sells a million downloads or what, what whatever the case may be, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. You know, the, th- the three-song, five-song EPs are super hot right now because most of them you can fit on a seven-inch vinyl. And if you can put anything out on that, I think people, even if they don't have a turntable or they've got a Crosley like, like what's over here, mm-hmm. uh, that, Ben, I'm getting a new one. You know, an, an actual <laughs> good turntable, so people don't shoot me for that shit. Uh, <laughs> no, seriously, I think if you, if, even if people don't have a turntable, you're gonna sell your vinyl, re- regardless, because I think most people want it for a keepsake. Yep. And it is definitely, if it's in different colors, you know, it's everybody's like, oh, cool, this is, you know, piss yellow or something. Which, <laughs> hey. That, Yes, you know, I'm totally game for that. Yeah. So I think it's also harder to please people nowadays. So, you know, because the music industry is so saturated. So you're just, you know, you put out a song or three or five, you know, do people like this? If 
you know, you get a good response, you know, okay, I'll release more of something like this, or if, you know, you're not getting an as good response, maybe, okay, maybe you'll change up what you're doing, try something different, but um, I really like that we've done, you know, a three song EP, because, you know, we see what the people like, we see if it's being received well. Um, and so far it has so definitely and that's wise beyond your years honestly um another uh, sponsor of the show um it's gonna get weird podcast with scott clark and frank green the reason i bring it up is because i was talking with frank a long time ago and frank was the bass player for a band called outspoken and they they had a radio hit uh from here in louisville and they were signed to a deal and i think it was like two or three albums as far as I know, they only did the one. And I told him, I was like, dude, I would just sit there and write. And fucking, you know, you got to do it within like three years or four years or something. It's like, I'd sit down and write three albums, bam, 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 bam. And just fucking be done with it. And he's like, well, you can't really do that. Because you don't know if what you're doing now is going to be popular in three years right. when they release the second or and third albums. And if they're not, then they're going to flop and then that's going to be money gone and wasted. It's like, well, yeah, it's the thing you don't think about in that, that it's a very, you know, you've really got to have your finger on the pulse for what is popular and what you can do. And honestly, you know, as bad as this is going to sound, and I don't intend for it to sound bad, but there is a ton of market out there for nostalgia bands. Yeah. Because I think it's what people really want music to be again, and that's not really what they're getting. You know, not everything can be a fucking, you know, a three and a half to four and a half minute pop song with fucking program drums and you know like maybe an actual guitar line played but fed through a fucking uh you know a ring modulator and yeah. and, and, and making it sound like a digital piece you know i guess what i, I guess what i mean by that is not everything can be billy eilish yep <laughs> right and not not throwing shade by any stretch of the word when i say that either because everybody likes what they like Everybody has their own marketability at cert at a certain point. Granted, if it's you know produced by Coca Cola companies and shit like that, <laughs> right. yeah, then it, then it gets kind of rough <laughs> for sure. Hey guys, Wrestling Steve of the Wrestling Steve Show here. Uh, so if you're currently listening to the Metal Forge with Mark Jackson, then you understand that Mark Jackson has a pretty discerning taste when it comes to music as a whole. You'll also understand that he has a discerning taste for professional wrestling, just like me. The, my show is called The Wrestling Steve Show. Uh, I talk about modern and classic pro wrestling in a completely unbiased, unfiltered way. Be sure to check me out on all available podcasting platforms. That is The Wrestling Steve Show, and I am the host, Wrestling Steve. Just remember, uh, like, like Confucius said, uh, man who goes through turnstile in Thailand uh, is going to Bangkok. Pro wrestling. Hey, it's Mark Maxwell at Maxwell's House of Music. Listen, all this stuff is now available to purchase on our website. Check it out at maxwellshouseofmusic.com. We carry all the top brands, like Fender. We got Gibson. We also have basses. We've got ukuleles. We've got drums. We've got sound gear. We've got keyboards. All right, so now it's that time. I'm going to jump into some general profile questions for you guys as people because it's what I do. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and, you know, I'm glad that we're able to actually do these as an in-person thing because you actually get to see where m mostly everybody doesn't get to see that I have all these on uh, index cards. And I'm actually going to break into some of the old questions on the show because we're in person. And, you know, I'm just going to switch it up a little bit. Sounds good. So you won't be getting all of these questions. <laughs> but I did just see one. 
I don't need the card. I don't need to pull it out. I already know where it, what it is. And 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 uh, first question: denim or leather? Leather. Leather. Nice, for sure. What song or band do you never want to hear again? Journey. <laughs> Lincoln Park. Ooh, <laughs> that's harsh. What's the last thing you watched on YouTube? I was actually watching uh, All Time Lows podcast. It's called Crash uh, Crash Course, I think. Um, but it's really funny. It's really good. I honestly can't remember. It was no. It was probably some fucking guitar video. I'm sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. What is your favorite word? Fuck. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, same. <laughs> same. Your your favorite word is same. Cool. I dig it. It is. Yeah. What is your most embarrassing moment on stage? I was in an opera intensive in the Berkshires of Massachusetts, and I was doing an aria in front of, you know, I want to say over a hundred, maybe around two hundred people, and it was ten in the morning. And for me, there's nothing more embarrassing than a voice crack. Um, and because it was 10 in the morning, it was an aria of voice cracks. And that made me turn beet red and I hated it. So. Mm. Uh, I haven't really had too many embarrassing onstage moments. Uh, at our first show ever, we were having some uh, technical difficulties. Oh no, that and uh, <laughs> one of the things that happened is at one point I have to switch guitars for a song, and I forgot to uh, set my wireless to the right frequency. And we have like this tracked intro for that song, so it kind of builds up, builds up, builds up, gets to the part where I come in, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> those are uh, always great. Yep. those moments because you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, what was your first concert? Like, that? That you ever went to? Okay. Um, I mean, my first big concert was a Bruno Mars concert. Um, and it was it was called Rumble in the Jungle. And it was like a private concert for only a couple thousand people. And it was for uh, Muhammad Ali. And mm. he was there. Um, that was my first. And the only other big concert I've ever been to was Steel Panther. And that was a few months ago. Really? Yep. Wow. Mine was Bob Seeger. Nice. I've been to lots of shows. I'm like this loser. <laughs> right. Uh, that's also in the uh, monologue today is I'm going to be reviewing the ZZ Top show from <laughs> awesome. Louisville. Yeah. Fun stuff. Uh, what is the best concert you've ever attended? Well, I mean, probably the Bruno <laughs> Mars show for you. Uh, honestly, man, still <laughs> That was sick. That was sick. Man, I don't know. Um, there is, it's a newer band called Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Okay. Um, I saw them a couple years ago and they put on a killer show. Um, that's just one that comes to mind, but there's been so many. Definitely. Uh, what is the best album by your favorite band? Shout at the Devil, Motley Crue. Van Halen 2. Ooh. Now, so that's your favorite bands, Motley Crue and... And Van Halen. If I had to pick one, I mean it's pick hard one, to pick. Sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely, favorite. it's hard to pick. Definitely. Now, what's the worst album by your favorite bands? <laughs> uh, for me, it's definitely the uh, anything with John Karabi on it. That was their best album. album. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think Vince Neil made Molly Crew. So. I don't know. Not live. I, you see videos from the last oh, twenty to, today. He's fifteen horrible, years. Horrible. Today's ass. He was like that fifteen years ago. Yeah. Uh, worst Van Halen album. Anything with Sammy Hagar. <laughs> um. I don't know. That, I'm a that's, big time no, Dave probably fan. Van Halen three. That's the one with um. That's the one that had uh, the singer from Extreme on it. Mm. Uh, what's his name? Um, I'm blanking. Gary Sharon, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Christmas or Thanksgiving? Christmas. Um, Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a split here. Wow. <laughs> How do you unwind after a show? Uh, well, we 
go back to my apartment and we start drinking. (laughs) Of course you do. Yeah. Because it's 80s. It's the rock and roll way. (laughs) Definitely. Same for you? Yep, that's what we do every time. (laughs) Since you guys are a little bit younger than me, this question is always kind of weird to ask, you know, the people that that are not in my immediate age group is, uh, what was your favorite TV show growing up? That's hard because I didn't have cable until 2008. Um, hmm. uh, probably American dad for me, honestly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I've never really watched a lot of TV, so I don't really have, I didn't really have like a favorite show growing no, up. Right on. John's big into, uh, UFOs. Is yes. <laughs> so like, but... uh, you know, like Project Blue Book would probably be something that you would oh, yeah. watch for sure. For sure. So Metalheads usually, and I say this every time, so I'm going to say it again. Why not? It's my show. Uh, <laughs> metalheads are usually eclectic people. You know, we we just do and you know, a lot of weird shit too. And we collect a lot of things. So what do you all collect? It better not say panties either. <laughs> I, I mean, when I was a child, I would collect uh, baseball cards, but now I'm big into collecting uh, vinyl and cassette tapes. Right on. Which is an interesting thing because the cassette market has, like, just like how vinyl has done the resurgence, so has the cassettes. Yeah. And I was speaking with a guy a long time ago about that, and I was like, when they first started coming back, and I was over in New Albany at a place called the uh, New Albany Production House. And I was just like, but it's a tape. It's like, who fucking listens to tapes? And this is like 2013. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like, who fucking listens to tapes? And he's like, well, you got to look at it like this. These guys, they're for, they're getting their first cars. And they're getting like a 92 Corolla with a tape deck. They're not getting, you know, they're not getting stuff with CD players and shit like that. So they want something that they can listen to their friends on because... They don't have an auxiliary port or none of that shit either. So the tapes are popular with them. And then all of a sudden, they're everywhere again. There are so many special releases of everything now that's on cassette. You'll have a green cassette, a gold cassette, you know, a marble cassette. Just like the vinyl, the vinyl colors and everything, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And I mean, I've got a tape deck over there on that, but it's like, do I really... I think I've listened to three tapes on the son of a bitch the, enti- the entire time I've had it in like eight years. Right. So. Well, and I think one thing that we do want to do because we're kind of, you know, we draw from, you know, the 80s uh, bands is we want to release cassette tapes. And even if people don't have the cassette tape, you know, player, you know, yeah. the tape decks, they can, you know, inside of it will have like a download. For sure. Them, so. And I think that's with anything you do. Um, CD along with. It, it, if you can post, uh, if you can put in there um, a download code for anything, you know, if it's vinyl, if it's tape, if it's uh, CD, I think that you know is a great thing that you can do as right. a as an artist, and because you want people to listen to it no matter how they can get it, right? So for sure, JT, what do you? Yeah, collect? what did you collect? Um, Guitars. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. I already know. He See? has so many guitars. He doesn't have enough uh, stands for them. Some of them are just laying on the floor. It's pretty sad. Been there, it's done awesome. that. Been there, done that. I actually just recently here in the studio um, started putting them on wall hangers. Yep. And it's just like, I don't want to flood one wall with multiple guitars. <laughs> right. So. And and I don't want it to make it look like a music store. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it but it would. So yeah. my basement looks like a music store, <laughs> of course, because you know why not? You know, what song do you listen to before every show? I I listen. I think before every show, actually, or almost every show, is "Running with the Devil" by Van Halen. Nice. Um, I don't have like one song, but usually Van Halen. Something from them. Yeah. Definitely. What metal band does everyone like, but you guys don't? Okay. Uh, I ha- It's not really a metal band, but okay. Queen. I don't think either of us are big Queen fans. And everyone likes Queen. And it's funny you say that because last night I watched Bohemian Rhapsody and I was just sitting there thinking like, I just don't listen to them. Yeah. Um, but 
pretty controversial. One of mine would probably be Iron Maiden. Really? I don't like Iron Maiden. I love Metallica. Just can't stand the vocals on any of Iron Maiden's albums. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> on any of them. Like, it's three singers, and you can't find one song. No, it's, a, it's so much vibrato, you know, I, I just can't. You know, <laughs> just raw, you know, screaming. You know, the uh, the interesting thing would be is if he actually, if you liked Samson or something. You know, which was Bruce Dickinson's band before Maiden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so uh, funny. That would. Uh, so on the flip side of that is what band do you like that no one else does? I feel like a lot of people shit on Poison. I'm a big Poison fan. That's I, I couldn't tell. That's the first. <laughs> yes, right. That's the first uh, hair metal band I ever listened to. Um, but when I met JT, one of the bands we bonded over was Cinderella. Okay. Um, and I, I kind of didn't think anybody really knew who Cinderella was before I met JT. Um, but, you know, being in the 80s glam world for a while now, I've kind of come to realize that a lot of people respect Cinderella. Um, Definitely. But Poison for me, yeah. Poison. For sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like I really have any of that. A band that you like that nobody else does? Yeah, I don't know. Can you think of anything I like that everyone hates? This is interesting. This is, this is I, there's there's got to be something. I mean, I like the uh, John Krabi Motley Crue album. <laughs> well, that go. that's probably it, yeah. honestly, I, because yeah. most most people yeah. don't like the John Krabi era. Yeah, era for them. <laughs> Sabbath or Zeppelin? Oh, that's a hard one. So hard. I'm wearing a black Sabbath shirt right now. Mm-hmm. But I really love Zeppelin. I'm gonna have to go Zeppelin. I'm gonna have to go Sabbath. Definitely. What is your most unpopular music opinion? That I don't like Iron Maiden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, can see that. I don't know if it's my... Well, my most unpopular is probably that I like the John Karabi album. But <laughs> speaking of Zeppelin, one that comes to mind is my favorite Zeppelin album is the last one in Through the Outdoor. Okay. Which I feel like most people don't listen to yeah, that album. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think anything past like... Oh, wow. You know... And I don't want to just sit there and say four, but in in all actuality, you know, I don't know of anybody else that would <laughs> that like pick songs like off of Physical Graffiti, off of Coda, off of Houses of the Holy, or mm-hmm. any, or Enter the Outdoor. I don't know anybody would pick songs from sh- stuff like that. Yeah, you know, they're gonna pick you know, Heartbreaker, uh, Living, Love, and Made, yeah. uh, Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Uh, obviously stairway yep. you know but and i love all that but i really like that right in through the for outdoor. sure it's i can't tell you why either there's something about that and, album and i've know, always really loved though the funny thing about that is it's like you know i'm a huge sabbath fan always have been you know and i will always say sabbath into that question but you know i actually really like zeppelin as well and the favorite song of mine of theirs is probably trampled underfoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the groove of it, mm-hmm. but like, it's like, all right, this shit's on. <laughs> Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Gonna Get Weird is the name of the podcast. We're on season two, so you have a whole season to get weird with Frank Green and Scott Clark. The best part is there's always laughter. 
let out. We have national touring comedians, NFL stars, rock stars, your local friends. It always gets weird. Weird answers. Have y'all ever snorted coke off of a 78 Pinto? No? You ain't no Man. Weird questions. Who had a bigger cocaine habit, Jock Sutherland or Kaywood Ledford? Neither one, because they stopped beating their wives. <laughs> and weird, we never even thought of. Well, no, my friend is on acid, and I sent my friend to go find a payphone so that I can call and turn myself in for murdering this guy and ruin my life. We love all types of people, but we don't love all people. <laughs> <laughs> weird. It's going to get weird is the name of the podcast, available everywhere. And thank you to Big X Sports Radio for being a proud sponsor of It's Gonna Get Weird. Frank Green, Scott Clark. Yeah. All right, so i got a few more questions here. What is your biggest pet peeve? Probably people sharing with their mouth open. Drummers. (laughs) (laughs) Spoken like a true guitar player. (laughs) What album is an absolute playthrough? Van Halen 2. I was going to say Van Halen, the first album. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, I got one more question. But as always, links are going to be down in the description below. So click those. Support these guys. Go buy the EP. Uh, if Any kind of merch and stuff that's on, on the website. So yeah, it, we have a website. StolenPrayer.com has everything you ever need on there. Definitely in the Bandcamp page and all that links to everything. Right. Yep. So click those. Support these guys. They're fucking awesome. I've had such a good time talking to you guys today for sure. Do you have any shout outs you want to give to anybody? Just our website, I think. And our music. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Um, yeah, that's it. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. We always are. Yeah. The other band members. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, no, we don't have that to. That goes without no, saying, I know. Uh, n- like, hi, mom, <laughs> shit like that, you know. Hi, mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I should probably thank my parents. They let us practice in their basement. Yeah, true. Definitely. Yeah. That's, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just know who pays the rent yep. <laughs> <laughs> for sure right, so last question of the metal forge today is going to be what album changed your life shout out to devil motley crew acdc back in black two powerful ones there and you know not not too far away from each other you know you had 80 and 82 mm-hmm. and 80, or 83, 83. yeah Definitely. Yep. So, I, what when what age did you hear those albums at? I know that's an extra question right there. So, <laughs> I was probably twelve or thirteen, maybe. Right. Yeah. I think it's about the same time I heard Back in Black as well, but mm-hmm. you know, probably a good decade <laughs> before you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was twelve or thirteen, so. Yeah, I was uh, seventeen or eighteen when I heard Shout at the Devil. And late, but. Well, well, I mean, not necessarily because, I mean, you're still, I think ultimately in a musician's life that most of the time 17 is probably the, the year that you would go back to. Yeah. Honestly. And I think that's, you know, with most people, and that doesn't necessarily have to be musicians, but I think 17 is the, the year that most people would want to relive because you're not an adult yet. You don't, you're still maybe a junior or senior in high school. You're not having to fucking have all these ridiculous responsibilities. And uh, let's face it, most of us were probably out at parties drinking when we were 17. I know I was. And so, yeah, that's not necessarily uh, a late here for that because that's, you know, honestly, I think when I was 17, I played more shows than I did when I was 27. (laughs) So I get it (laughs) for sure. Uh, CC, JT, thank you all so much today for coming into the Metal Forge. What song are we going to play on the way out today? I think Woman of the Night. Yep. Woman of the Night. All right. You heard it. This is Woman of the Night.
Hey, thank you all for tuning into this week's episode of The Metal Forge. I want to take a minute to remind you guys about the Patreon page. Over on the Patreon page, we have the tiers set up to support the production of the show. We feature the Down and Dirty, which is just a buck. There's nothing special for that one. It just sends me a thank you because every dollar helps. Then there's the Double Down and Dirty. Much akin to the Down and Dirty tier, everything helps produce the show in the end. You make your presence known, and I appreciate that more than you realize. Thank you for being a dedicated friend and supporter to the Metal Forge. By selecting that tier, you will receive some cool Metal Forge stickers in your mailbox. Now, we're really going to start pounding the metal madness with the Apprentice Metalhead for just $5 a month. By becoming an Apprentice Metalhead, you'll be given early access to the shows, published 24 hours before everyone else gets it. You're also going to receive three entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You're also going to receive a 10% discount on all Metal Forge merch, and you're going to receive a sweet Metal Forge patch for your battle jacket or backpack. And now, here is the big one. This is the Master Metalhead for just $10 a month. By becoming a Master Metalhead, you will receive a hand-numbered Metal Forge Master Metalhead membership card. You're going to be given early access to the shows as well, with 36 hours before everyone else. You're going to receive five entries in any contest that we do here at the Metal Forge. You'll be able to submit audio questions that I will use on the show of you asking questions to the upcoming guests. Remember, timing is everything, and you will need to keep up with the upcoming guest list on the website. You're also going to receive advanced knowledge of any new merch coming out and be given a 25% discount on all Metal Forge merch. And you're also going to get all of the other rewards from the other tiers. So visit patreon.com slash Metal Forge Radio today and help support the Metal Forge. Rock on.